Good morning. I wonder if you've ever felt that your parents just don't understand you. Uh, or maybe you felt that your children just don't listen to you. Relationships are complicated, aren't they? Growing up is complicated. It always involves a, a mixture of obedience and independence, sometimes with a bit of rebellion thrown in as well. Well, how does all this work out when you've got two parents who've been individually visited by angels? Uh, when you've got a virgin birth, you've got a dad who takes his parental role seriously despite not being the biological father in an age when that would have been considered disgraceful. And you've got a child who is the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Parenthood is difficult at the best of times, isn't it? No one gets a practice run at every stage in life. Those of us who are parents face it with our L plates firmly attached. Uh, we often wish we'd done things differently. And I could tell you all kinds of stories about the mistakes that I have made. And that would just be the mistakes that I realize that I have made along the way. The default setting for being a parent is quite often somewhere between feeling guilty and feeling exhausted. So I suppose in some ways we might think it must have been pretty easy, or it ought to have been easy for Mary and Joseph, uh, bringing up a perfect, sinless son, a model child. But this is a passage which reminds us that it must have been a hard and challenging calling for both of them as well. It is a unique passage. It's the only place in the Gospels where we get to see some of Jesus' childhood. Apart from this passage, we hear a bit about his birth and when he was a toddler, and then we head straight through to when he was aged about 30 and began his ministry. Um, so this is also the place where we read the first recorded words that Jesus himself says. And it's a great place to pick up in Luke again, because even here, early on in his life, we see clearly coming through Jesus' sense of who he is and of what he has come to do. And in many ways, the key theme that runs through our passage this morning is that theme of obedience. Obedience to God's plans and to his call. It's a reminder of what's important, of what our first priority should be. We see it perfectly in Jesus, but first of all, let's just have a look at it in the lives of Joseph and Mary as they learn to trust God. Joseph and Mary's obedience, in fact, is something that Luke has drawn our attention to over the first couple of chapters of his gospel. Think back to Mary's reaction when the angel first spoke to her in Luke chapter 1, for example. Or if you just glance back a few verses in chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles open on the passage this morning, uh, see when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be consecrated. And we're told twice in verse 22 and in verse 39 that they were doing everything that was required in the law of the Lord before they returned to Nazareth to raise their son. Every year, verse 41 now tells us, they devoutly took Jesus down to Jerusalem for the festival. Uh, that was a long journey and there were no motorways. It was not easy in those days. And so here we are, verse 42. Jesus is 12 by now, and that's what they're doing. Uh, he's reached the age where religious instruction would probably have become more intense, the age where, in some regards, he'd be getting close to coming of age and would perhaps have begun to be treated uh, like an adult and expected to behave like one, while at the same time very much still being a child. And maybe this partly explains what happened next. 
It may well have been the case that there was quite a large caravan of people traveling to and from Jerusalem together. Uh, It may have been that the women and children were in one part of that train. Uh, The men were at the other end of it. Maybe the teenagers were somewhere in between. Maybe Mary assumed that Jesus was uh, was with Joseph and the others. Maybe he assumed that Jesus was with Mary and the children. Maybe both of them thought he was with the other young people in a large group. But either way, uh, it's easily done. And some of you parents uh, may well have stories of your own to tell. Well, as careful, diligent parents, uh, what happened in verse 43, that must have come as a terrible shock to them. Turns out Jesus has stayed in Jerusalem. Uh, They have not yet understood why that's a completely natural thing for him to do, given who he is. They've traveled for a day before reality starts to dawn. And they must have been worried sick uh, when they realize what has happened, feeling guilty as they head back to the city. Let's read the next few verses and see what happens. Verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Complete mix of emotions in there, isn't there? Jesus himself is calm and unruffled. What else would he be doing? We'll come back to that in just a moment. Uh, The people listening to him him are amazed at how he seems to understand everything so well at the age of just 12. And Mary and Joseph are astonished. And Mary says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you which I imagine is something of an understatement. Of course, for Mary, this is just the beginning of what she's going to go through. She may well have been remembering the words of Simeon uh, from 12 years ago, but just a few verses back in verse 35, when he said to her, a sword will pierce your heart. I guess she must have wondered about that remark time and again over the years. But I want to say that there is a lot for us to learn here from Mary and from Joseph as examples of obedience to God. Sure, they made mistakes. Um, They're a reminder that following God's call is never easy. It challenges us. It brings us into situations that we haven't bargained for. I guess we've learned a bit about that in the last few months, haven't we? Following God, following his call, takes us to the end of our resources. And then we find that he asks us to trust him and to do what he says. Now, my call is not the same as Mary's or Joseph's, and neither is yours, but I am called by God, and so are you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And the beginning of that call is for us to learn obedience to what God has said, uh, even when it's hard. That's why we need the scriptures in our bloodstream, and we need to be not only hearing them, but doing them with his help day by day in our lives. But I want to turn now to the one who is, of course, the main character in our passage, not just this passage, but the whole of Luke and indeed the whole of the Bible, to Jesus himself and his example of obedience to his Father in heaven. He's astonished too, if you look at verse 49. Why were you searching for me, he asks. Didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? Sounds like a classic teenage complaint, doesn't it? You don't understand me. But this is not teenage rebellion. Actually, it's teenage obedience. 
I had to be in my father's house. That is the place he belongs because of who he truly is. So there he is in the temple courts and he's learning. What's he doing? He's asking questions, we're told. That's how it worked there. Um, there's no suggestion that he's trying to sound clever or to catch people out. He seems to be just soaking it up, uh, responding to what he hears. And the people are amazed, as I said, at the understanding that he shows, even at the age of 12. And perhaps Luke includes this in this gospel, partly just to, to remind us that Jesus didn't uh, suddenly emerge at the age of 30, having changed in some way. It wasn't that he grew up as a very ordinary boy and then suddenly developed a Messiah complex later on in his life. No, right from the start, Jesus knows who he is. He calls God his father. If he'd been an adult, maybe they would have been angry with him, called him a blasphemer. Of course, a few years later on, that's exactly what they did do. But it's not blasphemy. It's the truth. And it's consistently who Jesus shows us and tells us he is. Uh, it's not that he came up with a whole load of new ideas to launch on an unsuspecting world when he was 30 or 33 or something. It's that he spent the whole of his life steeped in the scriptures, what we would now call the Old Testament, listening to what God, his father, has said, how it points to Jesus coming and living his life into, in obedience to all that it says. He's no rebel. He's obedient. He's the obedient son of the father God who knows who he is and what he has come to do. But look at what Jesus does next. Verse 51 says, Then he went down to Nazareth with Mary and Joseph and was obedient to them. He's not full of himself. None of this is about him trying to get one over on his earthly parents. He's obedient to his father's calling, which means for the next few years growing up, I guess as the, the model son of Joseph the carpenter, and Mary, his wife, in Nazareth. Now what the Bible says about me and you, of course, is that we are all rebels, not in some kind of cool James Dean or Steve McQueen way, but rebels against God. People who love to do our own thing rather than God's thing. That's why the world is in the mess that it's in today. But Luke chapter 2 says, look, here's Jesus. Here is the one human being who did not rebel against his father God. The only one to listen to what his father has said and to do exactly what he was called to do. Now, of course, we know the story, don't we? We know where his obedience is going to lead him. We know why Simeon called it a sword that would pierce Jesus' mother's heart. Jesus', Jesus glorious, his determined obedience is going to lead him to the cross to die in the place of the rebels, in place of disobedient people like you and like me. People who can't get it right even when we try to. And he does it so that we too might be able to say to God, our Father. And know that he counts us not as rebels, but as dearly loved sons and daughters. So, we've got a call too. As I said before, a call not to be the son of God, uh, not to die for the world. Jesus has done that. He's the only one who could. But like Jesus, we're called, first of all, to listen to God, to hear his voice, to be in our Father's house. And so that is why the Bible is pure gold to us. 
the word of God and it's for you and for me that's why we need to be uh, meeting together to read it in whatever way we can whether that's to hear sermons or to meet in home groups whatever it takes like Mary we need to be pondering these things in our hearts and having heard God's voice the second thing we need to do very simply is to put it into practice we need to be obedient obedient as he calls us to live for him obedient as he calls us to honor him publicly as king our father in heaven hallowed be your name and so let us be praying that he will strengthen us to do that even as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who even here at the age of 12 is showing us exactly what that looks like let's pray Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who came, came from heaven into a broken world, a world that we recognize so well. Thank you that you came to listen to your Father and to do all that he called you to do, and thank you that because you did that, we may be counted as your sons and daughters. And so, Lord, once again we pray, fill us with your Spirit, that we might live obedient lives, hearing your voice and putting it into practice. Amen.